0: Like, realistically, the MVP was all the processes that I've built over the course of my career. And I think, you know, probably the, the closest thing to what we ended up building was actually the process that I built at Rippling, which I built an Airtable. I had some workflows where I would, like, pull that stuff out and then send some kind of templated emails to the company and to sales that, you know, said, Hey, here's the stuff that we're launching. Like, here's the important information that you need to know, yada, yada, yada. When we actually started working on it, my co-founder and I started building, you know, what would be the first incarnation of this. It was basically just, you know, modular documentation and then some tools for sharing that stuff through email. My name is Derek Osgood, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ignition.
1: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries Who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead? A team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart. And today, how Derek Osgood is making an impact to your go to market plan by building the first dedicated GTM platform. All this and more on Code Story. Derek Osgood comes from a family of entrepreneurs and has always known he wanted to start something himself. Prior to that, he worked for other companies, large and small, in product and marketing roles. Some of the companies he worked for included PlayStation, Rippling, and BBVA. Outside of his profession, he loves to travel the world and is a huge fantasy story nut. It's worth noting that we geeked out on fantasy novels for a good 10 minutes, as your host is a fantasy nut as well. Derek had been through hundreds of product launches at his previous companies of various shapes and sizes. In his words, every one of them was a dumpster fire, no matter the size and supposed maturity of the company. It was always a challenge, and after trying to build a robust process in every tool imaginable, he decided to set out and build it right. This is the creation story of Ignition.
0: Ignition's basically at its core of a platform for managing go-to-market processes. And fundamentally, our, our take is that, you know, the, the core of the issues involved in go-to-market is that there's a lot of stakeholder alignment and communication required in order to construct an effective launch. You need to have a repeatable process, Different teams need very different sets of information at different times. So it's really hard when, you know, teams are kind of hacking this together in a variety of like project management documentation and individual MarTech tools that for them to actually get that information out to teams in the different configurations and altitudes that are needed. And so what we've done is we've taken, we've kind of mashed together all the like project management documentation and asset management that is involved in constructing launch processes layered in some workflows that help to create those plans in much more repeatable fashion so that you can actually, we have these dynamic templates that will cascade out a launch plan based off of the characteristics of that launch and help you to create an optimal launch plan much, much faster. But then everything is like super modularized. So it's really easy to share just the bits and pieces that are important to different teams and push it outwards to them through email or Slack so they don't need to necessarily come in and adopt a tool which is often you know another big challenge that you have when you're trying to construct launch processes so that you know you can't get your sales team to go in and like pull out the information that they need you have to push it to them and send them a bunch of emails we're layering in a lot of uh, actual tools for conducting, for things like conducting research, like measuring the success of the launch, post-launch, communicating that launch to customers, because all of those things help to generate the actual plan itself, which then makes it much more easy for you to communicate it outward. It's this big like amalgamation of a tool that includes all sorts of stuff, but at, at its core, it's really a tool for doing product marketing and getting a product all the way end to end from concept through to go to market plan through to communication through to you know post launch measurement i've been through you know hundreds of launches of various types and sizes whether it's launching companies or whether it's launching products features campaigns events you name it kind of anything that requires a good market process They were just always dumpster fires, like every single one of those stops, whether it was a big mature company like PlayStation or whether it was a, you know, small scrappy startup. The the process itself is extremely fragmented, there's not a lot of consistency to it. And it it was just such a challenge building those those processes out because I was the one who was responsible for actually structuring them. And I tried building in every possible tool imaginable. And I eventually just got sick of building it and tools that just didn't work for it. And so, you know, decided to go start my own thing and, you know, build Ignition.
1: Let's dive into the MVP then. So tell me about that first version of the product you built. How long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
0: I mean, I think it kind of depends on like how you define an MVP here. Like realistically, the MVP was all the processes that I've built over the course of my career. And I think, you know, probably the, the closest thing to what we ended up building was actually the process that I built at Rippling, which I built in Airtable. I had some workflows where I would like pull that stuff out and then send some kind of templated emails to the company and to sales that, you know, said, hey, here's the stuff that we're launching. Like, here's the important information that you need to know, yada, yada, yada. I would say that that was kind of the true MVP of this. If you're talking about like the first version of actual ignition, there's actually a couple of couple of versions. I tinkered, you know, with some no-code tools myself, trying to build it, you know, just mostly because I was trying to learn the no-code tools. So I tinkered with that for a while while I was actually searching for you know my co-founder and while I was you know just figuring out like if this was really the product that I wanted to commit you know the next x number of years of my life to. When we actually started working on it, my co-founder and I and like scoped a real thing and started building you know what would be the first incarnation of this. We, it was basically just you know modular documentation. so it was a bunch of different you know fields for the actual launch plan structure and then some tools for sharing that stuff you know in bits and pieces through email. It took us, you know, a while to build, so we basically, you know, started, we wrote our first line of code in March of 21. You know, we shipped the alpha of it, you know, the the real MVP in July of that year. So it took us a couple months to get the kind of architecture right, get the design right. We probably built, you know, a little more than like a traditional MVP took us a couple months and then you know we kind of iterated on that uh, alpha over the next couple of months and shipped our shipped our beta in uh, January so we spent like almost almost a year really getting to what i would say was a you know usable first version of the product you know we we were collecting feedback like we shipped that alpha in july to a bunch of users that we had you know done early interviews with just to start collecting feedback and so you know we shipped a, what we knew was a pretty you know incomplete and broken version of the product back then and you know kind of have been iter have been iterating ever since
1: well let's stay in that mvp time frame that two months to a year time frame when you're when you're building this when you're building any MVP and you're iterating you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs about you know okay what am I going to implement from my years and years of experience right into this first version of the product what's most important tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions
0: we always knew that this this product in order for it to be like a really you know minimum like sellable product it was going to have to be a big meaty platform that does a lot of stuff because the reality is there are pretty good documentation tools out there there are pretty good project management tools out there that have a whole lot more bells and whistles than we do we knew that we would need to actually have some of these like tools built into it So our goal was mostly just get to, you know, can we learn about how people are structuring their launch plan? So the the single biggest question that we wanted to answer going into it was like, what blind spots do we have about how people think about the components of their launch plan? So we were like, hey, can we ship a thing where it's basically, you know, customizable documentation that is modular and get people to tell us, "I, I need this piece or this piece or this piece then we could start to build out more robust versions of those. So we could have gone out and built like we have a persona framework in the product. So we could have built a real persona framework that had, you know, all the like bits and pieces that go into a persona, but we were like, no, look, let's just turn, let's make all of these, documents. They're all just text entry fields. We, we pulled some off the shelf, rich text editor tools. And then, um, you know, we were debating whether or not we needed like tools for actually structuring, like cascading out the launch plans, whether we needed templates, whether we needed the research tools. And we basically just decided to scrap all those. And we're like, no, all we need to learn is like what goes into a user's launch plan what are the like specific fields they need and then we'll flush that out. So we basically shipped, you know, just a bunch of docs and then the email communication was the other component which is like, we just need to have some way for them to share this stuff and learn like how they are sharing with who. And so, you know, we, we put in some basic email integration and that was about it.
1: Okay, so then take me forward. How did you progress the product and mature it? And, and I'm curious, you know, put, to put that in, in a box a bit, how did you go about building your roadmap? And how did you decide, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with uh, Ignition?
0: It's been, you know, a very iterative process. Like, you know, we just kind of had a constant feedback cycle of like, you know, design a thing, show it to some users, get some feedback on it, build the thing, show it to the same users, get some feedback on it, you know, see if they're using it and like just kind of keep iterating and iterating until we saw like real concerted usage. So we shipped all the documentation stuff. There was a lot of stuff that was broken, like. You know, I, I think one of the big learnings that I had was, you know, when we originally kind of hired a desi- like hired a designer to work on the first version of the product, we ended up hiring a really a good UI designer who wasn't very good at UX. And this was my first time building product from scratch. And so I I didn't realize some of the blind spots. So we ended up like shipping that first version and then had to spend a couple of months just kind of fixing it because there were a lot of like incoherent, like workflows in the product that we needed to like, now we needed to kind of like adjust and fix. Then we did a big revamp on it. And we said, once we had finally learned like, okay, here are all the documentation needs that we have based on what people have told us go into their launch plan. We said, okay, now let's make these, you know, delightful experiences. Let's turn them from, you know, just like kind of dumb documentation into something that has a little bit more structure to it and allows for a lot more powerful sharing. And so we went through and like, we basically went module by module and we prioritized based off of which ones were the easiest for us to do first and we just kind of like gradually went module by module updated them made them you know much more robust and interesting and then you know we shipped that beta. And we started building a couple of like key integrations, mostly based off of customer asks, you know, like we listened to, Hey, what are the like four or five things that people continue to ask for? And we built those first. A lot of, a lot of feedback that we got early on was that, you know, we needed more robust task management than we thought that we did because we originally, you know, built basically just a simple checklist into the product because oftentimes, you know, that's how like I had structured my launch plans in the past and, you know, what we got a lot of feedback on was like, no, I need like full blown task management and project management and automation around notifications to other people involved. So we ended up building, you know, a lot more project management tooling than we originally had planned to. And then we shipped that stuff in January, like I mentioned in the, in the beta, and we did a kind of broader launch. So we did, you know, kind of a closed beta launch on Product Hunt to get some feedback on, you know, is this thing now that we've built kind of like all the core documentation, core project management stuff into the product? Is this thing usable, sellable? Like, is it compelling to people? And we got a bunch of feedback back. We did have, you know, some concerted usage for a while and you know, but we weren't seeing quite as many people really getting active as we wanted to. And we heard a lot of people, you know, kind of tell us, like, look, this thing is great, but you know, I already have Asana or I already am using like Notion for this or that. It's not like necessarily, you know, 10x better than any of those things. It's just kind of like giving me the table stakes. So then we kind of shifted gears in, you know early, early 2021 to start building a lot of the automation tools that we had talked about. And we we are like our roadmap has been in our heads for We've got we've had a five year roadmap in our heads since day one because we're building so much of this, which is my own process as a product marketer. So like I know all the things that we eventually need to build. So it's just been kind of a process of like picking and choosing which of those things would be the easiest for us to execute quickly and would be the most compelling to users to get them over you know whatever hump was the the kind of problem point at, at that given point in time. And so you know the next wave of stuff that we built were, were kind of like the first versions of our research tools. So we. We Built some automated competitive intelligence. We built some uh, customer research and surveying tools, which you know were basically template-based surveys because those were really easy for us to build. And you know, we took some integrations. We you know used some partners partnerships to structure them quickly, ship those, and then we've just kind of gradually been continuing to like iterate and build more tools and more integrations over time uh, based off of customer
1: feedback. Let's switch to team. Then tell me about how you built your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you
0: our first engineer that we hired vicus he was just an absolute rock star like he he was a great engineer super talented like had good kind of like product thinking and chops honestly like you know we just posted a job posting on AngelList, and he came to us and he was you know actually one of the first couple of people who, who ended up applying and he was just great i'm the non technical side of the house so you know my co-founder was doing most of the evaluation on like how he was as an engineer So I I couldn't tell you the criteria that he was using. But, you know, I think culturally, like the things that we were biasing to were, you know, like, does he have a strong sense of ownership, good like product sense and like thinks through things from a user's perspective, technically competent and and able to like build the thing. And, you know, I, I think we we also work have been at the time like working with an external development agency as well to help kind of augment that. We also lucked out there because, you know, we we got some referrals to these guys and the the team that was existing in the agency was equally talented. And then we kind of like, you know, the nice thing is like, if you get the right kind of butts in the seat at the beginning, the rest of the team kind of grows organically in, you know, good fashion because A-players attract A-players, A-players, you know, only want to work with A-players, so will evaluate them, you know, with a critical eye we try and be really inclusive in making sure that, you know, our our best folks are are evaluating anybody who's potentially joining. You know, I think there's like we've built a fully remote team when you're building fully remote. I think one of the the challenges is that, you know, unlike hiring in Silicon Valley, where you kind of just look at, like, what are the companies that they've worked at? You know, you can pretty easily identify like signal on. Okay, it looks like they were successful at, you know, this high growth company, they were part of the early team that, you know, actually went through the stage that we're in. So they're going to have insight there. Uh, It's a lot harder when you're hiring internationally because the companies are less familiar to you. You know, the the signal is different in every single company or country on like what indicates that somebody is, you know, talented or not. So we've been learning it's been a it's been an ongoing process but we have you know a fairly regimented interview process where you know we have take home we, we try and do take home tests with everybody that joins we try and you know where possible do like contract to hire so that we can actually see what working with people is really like before they actually end up joining full time that's been you know a pretty good process for us to actually like learn who is a good fit and who's not a good fit and uh, you know grow the team that way
1: Okay, so as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of?
0: Definitely the quantity of stuff that we have built in the period of time that we have. We have an extremely robust product for one that is you know, less than two years old. You know, it mirrors my previous company, Rippling, in a lot of that sense. Where, you know, we have built a crazy amount of surface area, and I, and I think that you know many of the tools that we have, they're not janky, like half baked versions of those tools. They are realistically like delivering on value that there are billion dollar companies that are doing the same thing as their entire company. So, I, you know, I think I'm I'm just really proud of like the quantity of stuff that we've shipped and what our product philosophy has looked like. If I think about like my favorite kind of feature in our product, it continues to be the way that we handle sharing. Like, I, I really think that we've created a very unique way of sharing information across teams and pushing, you know, mod- these modular updates to sales, support, execs, et cetera that is uh, it's the thing that always gets people's eyes to light up when we show it to them as well. So, thankfully it's like the thing that we originally started the company around and the and the MVP. So, our thesis has, has so far proven to be to be right, which is good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
0: We definitely spent too much time revamping the kind of core documentation. I think I think we, you know, did a fairly significant overhaul between, you know, like v.1 and v.2 which ended up burning a couple of months. In retrospect, I wouldn't have committed all that time to it and I would have kept the the kind of documentation functionality that we had much much simpler. The problem, though, was, you know, I think we were leaning into customer feedback. And so we were getting feedback around like wanting better documentation, better project management. And we knew that those were like table stakes features, but they weren't really like differentiators for us. And, you know, there was no way we were, gonna, we were going to realistically compete on like having the best documentation tooling because that's just not a very compelling value prop. And so, you know, I think we, we were leaning into customer feedback in doing that, but it was kind of the wrong move. And realistically, what we should have been doing was focusing more on the really differentiating features of our product, which is a lot of the like, automation and tooling that feeds into that documentation. Like, it was kind of just one of those instances where you listen to customers, but sometimes, you know, what the customer wants, like the customer doesn't really know what they actually want. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're asking for a thing, but it's not really the thing that's going to motivate them to buy. Um, and, and convert.
1: Well, this will be this will be really fun. So, what does the future look like for the product and for your team?
0: For the product, so the plan long term, ultimately, like where where our product is going to net out is it's going to be a full end to end product lifecycle management tool where we're going to have the ability for you to go from like concept, which we have you know these feature idea boards where users can nominate and vote on new features to build. Product roadmapping, then carrying those roadmaps through to building go-to-market plans, then actually being able to communicate those plans to both customers and to pro- and to internal teams, and then measure them. So, you know, it's really like the existing product. We're just layering in kind of like one or two more pieces. But the idea here is that we're just basically going to keep making all of the tools that exist now better. Like we actually have pretty much all the baseline things that we, you know, planned on building over the much longer term in the product in kind of MVP format right now. You know, really what we're going to be doing is just kind of making them better and making them more interesting and adding new data feeds and adding more automation into the platform and just making it so that it's, it basically puts your launches kind of on autopilot. But I think, you know, team-wise, we're probably not, you know, growing the team anymore over the course of the next couple of months. Um, but, you know, once we go out and raise our next round, you know, we'll probably end up growing the team pretty significantly, uh, you know, in, in next, into next year. The plan is to gradually start to, like, shard out our product teams so that essentially there are pods that are going to own different areas of the product. And this is a similar structure to the way that like Rippling was built, where we can create really distributed decision-making and individual teams can be like real business owners for the different parts of the product. So that then they can continue iterating on that without necessarily needing to route everything through, you know, my kind of like centralized decision making that exists today because they're, they're so focused on one specific part of the product. Right now, you know, our whole team are, are pretty generalized and, you know, everybody's kind of working on everything just because that's the nature of where effort needs to be going right now. The hope is that we can start to turn, you know, all the en- engineers that are building the thing into, you know, real kind of like business owners.
1: let's switch to you who influences the way that you work you know name someone or multiple someone's or or something that you look up to and why
0: like i kind of consider myself to be a fairly like framework driven and process driven builder yeah i I don't actually know where the inspiration for that comes from but i think you know a lot of it was driven early on in my career um I, i had a you know previous boss, uh, Terrence Sweeney, who was a CMO at uh, a variety of different companies. And I think he was really influential in just shaping kind of how I think strategically and really like up-leveling my thinking from, you know, granular, like tactical into, you know, how does all of this fit together and like, how do you build systems around the product that we're building? And also, you know, our own go-to-market and our own, you know, marketing. On the flip side, it's like, oftentimes, obviously like, being strategic and thinking really like thoughtfully through the downstream impacts of the things that you're doing, that can, you know, be a detriment in that it can make you move slower and it can, you know, make you kind of like not get things out quickly and learn from the real market. And so I think on the flip side of that, Parker at, at Rippling was a big influence where you know, he is very much go, 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 just do stuff, ship things quick learn from them like it's kind of the move fast and break things ethos from early Facebook and having those two kind of uh, points of influence kind of merge together for me has been helpful in shaping what I hope is kind of like a good kind of balanced approach that kind of splits the difference between those I I would say those are kind of like two of the bigger influences that
1: I've had okay so we talked about the mistake earlier but a little bit different spin If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Where would you consider taking a different approach?
0: Probably one of the biggest things that I would have done differently is we we spent a lot of the early alpha period and even like a lot of the early beta period, we really didn't even start charging people until like a few months ago. We spent a lot of that time free and we tried the freemium thing then we shifted to a free trial and now we're kind of like in the middle. (laughs) Um, And I think you know, really probably the biggest thing that I would change is like in those early, very, very early days, I would have actually gotten, you know, dollars in hand from some of the customers before ever even starting to build. Um, because what we ended up having happen, you know, we, we got kind of unlucky where a lot of our like early design partners, they ended up changing companies, um, as we were kind of like midway through building the alpha. And so, you know, the first like 10 quote unquote customers that we had ended up not becoming customers because they were, they, they just like moved to new jobs and didn't have the same needs and, you know, no longer have like, you know, they were trying to establish themselves in their new companies instead of figuring out, like how to solve the problems that existed when they originally talked to us. And so a lot of our feedback kind of like ended up evaporating for an early period that was pretty critical in building the product. And so I think what I would have done is get them to, you know, commit dollars up front so that they would have been slightly more engaged during the early build phase and then iterated from there even you know if it's like fully refundable like there's no real commitment from their end but they've at least like put some skin in the game before we started building I think that would have helped like just speed up our learning cycles early on but you know we ended up getting the feedback through other means like we ended up just finding new customers and you know going out and acquiring new folks and getting you know additional feedback but it would have been helpful to you know start from the point of no you guys are already paying us you're going to want to be you know emotionally invested in building this thing because you've already you know committed to it
1: well well, okay derek this is the last question last question derek so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazz about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can we show it off to you right there on the plane? What advice do you give that person, having gone down this road a bit?
0: Ship fast. <laughs> you know, I think like it's it's pretty trite, but you know, just make sure that the you know, the thing that you're building is as narrow as humanly possible. And I think you know, one other piece of advice is. You know, our products, we're taking a bit of a category creation approach. We're trying to like really shift, you know, a significant chunk of people's workflow and introduce something there isn't like an existing budget line item for. I think, you know, one other, one other piece of advice that I would give early young entrepreneurs is like, don't take market risk if you don't have to, um, because it does int- introduce additional challenges. I mean, like, you know, for, for us, it makes it tougher to sell in because you have to get more people across the company bought in, you have to go carve out budget. And I think, you know, your, your route is easier. Like when, when I was at Rippling, you know, one of the nice things is there's always budget for a payroll tool. So, you know, it's, it's, you're just kind of in a mode of like, now I just need to sell why this thing is better than their existing payroll tool, as opposed to like, what, sell them on why they need a tool first, then sell them on why this thing is better than whatever other tool they might consider. So, you know, as much as possible, like try and reduce market risk by selling, you know, a tool into an existing budget
1: center. Good stuff. Well, Derek, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Ignition.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.
1: And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously.